We always dwell upon the things that go wrong in our life, uh, the suffering that we go through. And yet, uh, if we were to really look back and, and, and to see all the good that God has done in our life, we have a lot to be thankful for. I mean, we have a lot to just praise and thank God. I mean, you know, um, we've got good families for the most part. We've got people who, who do love us and that care about us. And, and um, you know, we, uh, most of us don't go a day with, you know, not having to, to especially here in, in Western Europe, having to worry about uh, the next meal. Um, yet, a lot of times we forget the good things. We forget the blessings. Um, some people think, well, bad things just can't happen to good people, right? I mean, you know, once you're a good person, so obviously you should have everything good go right in your life. I wish that was the case. I really do. Um, but sadly, our world today is not perfect. And it's filled with both good and bad people. I mean, innocent people do get hurt or taken advantage of by those who are cruel. And that's just, sadly, that's just how our, our world is today. We, you know, we ask, well, why, why are people suffering in different countries? And, and uh, it seems like it's just nothing is going good and nothing is going well there. Well, it's, they are getting money and things like that. It's just the people in the, in the wrong places of power are taking it all and they're not doing with it what, they, what they should do. And, uh, and so, you know, that's why we have poverty. That's why we have uh, people who are, who are hungry without... Uh, you know, you, you look at the different places in Africa. It's because um, money is being sent to them all the time. It's just not getting to them. There's a middleman that's in the way, and he's taking it all. And, you know, and, and so, um, you know, sometimes it seems like God's just standing back, and he's letting people get away with it. Though God does intervene at times, he does take note of everything that happens, both good and bad. One day those who have lived a wicked and evil life will be consumed not only in hell, but also in the lake of fire for all eternity. Thankfully, those who are saved will one day be in heaven and will no longer have any sorrow, no longer have any suffering. See, this is just a temporary place. For a Christian, this is this is nothing. This is just a, a vapor. I mean, we have all of eternity to, to look forward to. And there's not going to be the sorrow and the suffering that we go through today. One day, sin and evil will be removed forever and destroyed once and for all. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to the day that Christ comes back. Because then that's, I don't have to worry about none of this anymore. You know, I'm looking for the day when Jesus Christ comes back because once that, that day happens, the rest is is going to be awesome. I mean, you know, you have to worry about getting old anymore. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the aches and pains and, and uh, forgetting where you put your keys at and different things and, you know, and the things that we forget and um, just the sorrow that we go through is, is no longer going to be there. But until that happens, we just have to continue to serve God. This evening, though, I want to look at a man who was oppressed by darkness all of his life. This man could have easily hated God or blamed Him for his condition. He could have been so angry and hateful of God that he wanted nothing to do with Him. 
We're going to look at a man who was born blind. And he had absolutely no hope until one day he met Jesus. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer and we'll dive in. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your mercy. Lord, I'm thankful that um, for the blessings that you have given in my life, Lord, I can't even count them. They are so innumerable. And Lord, I know sometimes I can focus on the bad things. But Lord, help us to focus on the good things. Lord, as we look at this story, uh, as we look at this portion of Scripture this evening, God, you've done amazing things in the life of this man. As we look at it, help us also to, re- to realize just the good that um, you're doing through our lives. And Father, I just pray that you just strengthen us to encourage us, lift us up, Lord. Father, we just want to say thank you and love you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Uh, so as you're there in John chapter 9, let's look at verse number 1. Read verses 1 through 5. It says here, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So the first thing I want you to see tonight, we see this, the man's condition. Uh, Jesus was traveling uh, outside of the temple. He had been in the temple there for a little bit. And then uh, he said some things and the Jews didn't like it. And so they were going to try and stone him. And uh, so he, he left out of the temple. So he's outside of the temple there. And as he's passing by, he sees this blind man. He sees this, this man begging for food and money. And uh, the Bible specifically notes in the first verse that his condition was not because of age or health as he grew older, but that he had been born with it. This was a condition that he had since his very birth. He had lived in darkness his entire life and was all that he knew. He had no idea what colors were. Or how beautiful the flowers were. Or the different... He had no idea what a, a, a sunset, a, a sunrise looked like. I mean, people could try to describe it to him, but he really had no idea what they were even talking about. I mean, with us, you know, if we say if we lose our eyesight and we become blind, we have those, those pictures in our head, those memories of, of maybe some sunsets and sunrises that we've seen, or, or how beautiful a red rose looks. He had none of that. He was absolutely had no idea when someone would say, oh, uh, this flower is so beautiful. He had no idea what beautiful was. All he lived was in darkness. Look at verse number two. We see the disciples' response to the blind man. That someone's sin caused it. Verse two says, and the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? They looked at this man's condition and said, oh, the reason why he's that way is because someone sinned. That is it. And sadly, that thinking is still there today. Uh, I mean, you know, you you go to some some places in some countries, and and, uh, I mean, like, especially in places like the Amazon jungle, where twins are considered to be weird. 
And uh, this is actually, this is a recorded fact. Uh, there's one tribe in the Amazon where if a, if a woman birth, uh, gives birth to twins, they think that they're demon-possessed and they go and they kill them. Because it's, it's abnormal. And uh, because they think it, it's, it's demonic. Well, which we know that's not true. Um, but here, they're trying to blame. You know, and, and it's easy for us to, to get in that same uh, mindset where we see someone who's going through a hard time and we say, oh, it's because they sinned. That's the reason why they're in that position. Well, sometimes that might not be the case. And we're very quick to judge, aren't we? But Jesus explains the man's blindness. First of all, in verse number three, he said, it's not the man's fault. He said, neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, it's not his parents' fault, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So he says, it's not his, the man's fault, it's not his parents' fault. He was born blind for the exact purpose of being healed by Jesus. I mean, we don't know how old this man is. I'm going to guess he's at least 30 years old. And for the last 30 years, he's been living in darkness. And yet, God has allowed that to happen in his life. For one reason. Because he wanted to show a miracle in his life and to heal him. You see, sometimes God allows situations to happen to you and I so that he can use it for a greater purpose. Sometimes it's hard to understand the whys, but that is why we need to have the faith that God is in control, that his ways are above our ways, and his thoughts are above our thoughts. You see, the one promise that you can rest in, and the one thing that you can just take to the bank, so to speak, is that there are no accidents with God. I mean, nothing happens without God knowing about it. And there's a reason why everything happens. We may not, I mean, yesterday, I've probably asked more whys in my life than we all have. You know, when something happens in your life, the first question we have is why, isn't it? Why are you allowing this to happen? What's going on? And it's okay to question. It's okay to say, Lord, I don't understand. That's okay to say. Because we can't see the big picture. We can't see what's going on. That's the time that we have to say, you know what, Lord, I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen in my life. I don't agree with it even. But Lord, you're letting it happen for a reason, and I trust you. I know that you're going to get me through this, and I'm leaning upon you for the strength to do it. That's a hard place to come to, and it's not easy to go to that place. Because honestly, when we get hurt, the first thing we want to do is just push everything away and say, you know what? It's, it's all God's fault. He's the one that's doing it. And we, and, we, and we reject God. When we need to realize, you know what? He's allowing it to happen for a reason. Oftentimes, it's to get our attention and to bring us closer to Him. Because a lot of times, we kind of start beginning to go our own way. And, and God has to allow us to go, perhaps maybe do some chasing to get us back on the right path. Um... The next thing I want you to see here is the grace of God. The grace of God. Look at verse number 6. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. 
He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing him. The neighbors, therefore, and they which were before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? And he said, I know not. I have no idea. I have no idea. See, Jesus uses a very strange way to heal this man. I mean, in other places in Scripture, he's healed blind people just by a command. He's healed others just with a touch. I mean, you know, when, when the man that had the, the withered hand, all he said was, you know, stretch forth thine hand. Then became whole. I mean, the very word of his voice had power. Could do anything that he wanted. So why didn't he go to this blind man and say, blind man, be see again? He could have, couldn't he? He had the power to do it. It was very easy to do. But instead, um, young man, if you would mind, you would sit here. So, obviously, he wouldn't be sitting in a chair. He would be sitting on the ground, uh, probably in rags and tatters. And, and most people would avoid this beggar more than anything else. You use my hat as a beggar. There you go. <laughs> and so, every single day, he would come and he would sit in his spot. And he would ask people for money. Just, you know, just living upon the compassion upon other people and the pity of other people. And as people would stop, when, when they would see him coming or see him sitting there and they knew who he was, they knew where he sat. And most of the time, you ever been in that position where, or maybe you've done it, where you see the people, you know, they're, they're collecting money and you kind of go on the other side of the street and you want nothing, you know, you don't want to get asked or you, you don't want to feel guilty because you know you've got money and you don't want to give it to them. Um, well, a lot of people felt that way, especially towards beggars. Um, but see, because he was a blind man, he could not work. He was an outcast of society. So he couldn't get a job. He, you know, today, it's amazing what uh, people who are blind can do. They can work. They, you know, they've got braille that they can read and different things like that. But back in those days, if you were born with any kind of uh, weakness or a handicap, you, you, you had a really hard life. And so here, this man was begging all the time. And so here, Jesus comes up, and, uh, you know, and so uh, the blind man has no idea who, who's around him. I mean, he just knows that somebody is coming, somebody that, that there's people around him. And can you imagine, as, uh, you know, he's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of like offering his, his hat, like, you know, offering his hat. You can't see me, so you're just kind of like, you know, looking around. Uh, <laughs> okay, and so all of a sudden, just imagine this. You know, here this blind man, uh, you know, he's just kind of just trying to, you know, he's, he's asking for alms, and all of a sudden, I'm not going to spit on the ground just because of the fact that sanitation here. But um, you know, Jesus, he spits on the ground, and then he picks it up, 
And without even saying anything, he just starts putting it on his eyes. <laughs> and the first point, all of a sudden he's someone touching you. You know, because you don't know he's there. And all of a sudden he just starts pushing that, um, you know, that stuff around his face. And then Jesus just says, go and wash the pool of small. That's all he says. And the very next thing the guy does is he gets up and he goes to the pool. Okay, go ahead and sit down again. Thank you. Um, so here, he all he all Jesus says is just go. Now, um, there's times in our life that when we pray to God for Him to work in the way that we think is best, but instead He does things differently, doesn't He? I mean, there have been times and situations, countless times, where I have prayed and I have asked God, God, I need You to do and I need You to work this way in my life. And it seems like that never happens. Well, sometimes it does, because I've got my wife, and I'm very thankful for that. But for a lot of times, things don't go the way that we plan, do they? And the thing is, is because we don't see the big picture. I mean, you, can you imagine how many people this last week were praying that they would win the Powerball in America? Mm. You know, what was it, 4.3 billion, or no, 1.4 billion dollars. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Can you imagine how many people were praying for the, to win the Powerball? Can you imagine if they all won it? <laughs> the chaos that would erupt. And God, sometimes we think, well, God, I need this. I need, I, I, I need this desperately. And God says, no, you really don't. If I were to give this to you, it would destroy you. It would ruin you. And so sometimes he doesn't allow us to have the things that we want and desperately seek because he knows it's not the best for us. How many times, you as parents, I mean, you probably have had children come up and say, Mommy, Daddy, can I have a seat? And it's just before lunchtime or just before dinner time. And what do you tell them? No, dinner. You're going to spoil your dinner. You're not going to have it. Now, you as a parent, you know it's not good for them to have them, right? Because you don't you don't want them to spoil their dinner. It's not good for them to have that right then. Now, maybe after you have the meal, then say, okay, now you can have the sweet. But it's not in their timing, is it? It's not when they want it. You see, now, God not necessarily is going to give us everything that we want, but He will take care of our needs. He will take care of you. And so, even though we pray and ask God, God, I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen. That's when we need to trust Him and say, you know what? God might be working things in different ways that we just don't understand. You see, Jesus purposely made the clay so that it would be considered a work on the Sabbath day to teach the Pharisees a lesson on the purposes of the Sabbath. And as, as this man did, he obeyed and did exactly as Jesus said. Did Jesus tell him, if you go and wash in this pool, you'll be able to see no, he never said that. All he was told was go and wash the pool of Siloam. He was not given any promise that he would see. He, would not, he was not given anything. And yet, out of faith, he got up and he made his way to that pool. And because of his obedience, he was completely healed. For the first time in his life, he could see. Can you imagine the joy and amazement that he felt as he looked around that place he lived, and he saw it for the very first time. 
I mean, can you imagine as he went to that pool and as he began to, uh, you know, uh, take that water and start uh, washing off that mud, you know, and, 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 and getting that mud off. And all of a sudden he starts, you know, opening his eyes. And the first thing that he sees is his reflection looking back at him. He's never looked, he doesn't even know what he looks like. You know, and here he's looking at himself and seeing his own reflection. I mean, that probably is stunning him, first of all, to actually see what he looks like. And then as he looks up, he starts looking around and seeing the, 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 the well there, the, the pool, and begin to see the people walking around the pool. He looks up and he sees the, uh, the beautiful blue sky and the sun shining up above. And, and for the first time, he can see all this stuff. He can see the clothes that people are wearing and, and, uh, and just, just the beauty of the temple that, he's, that he is nearby. And I mean, you can imagine, I mean, if you, you know, seeing for the very first time, I mean, you're probably just, just looking around in amazement. I mean, you know, just overwhelmed. If you look here at verse number 8, his neighbors notice that he's acting a little different. His neighbors said, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, is not this he that sat and he begged? Isn't this the, the, the one who, who earlier this morning and, and all throughout the week in the last uh, 30 years of his life was, was begging? Isn't that, isn't that him? How is, how is he walking around without, you know, shuffling around? You know, maybe he, I don't know if he had a cane back then or something to keep him from running into people. You know, he's, he's not using that no more. You know, he's not, he's not shuffling around, you know, or, or having his hands out, you know, trying to make sure that he doesn't hit something. And he's actually just kind of like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. This is so beautiful. Wow. And his neighbors noticed that straight away. Straight away. I mean, to the point where, you know, look at verse number 9. Solomon said, yeah, that's him. That, that's him that was begging. And others said, no, 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 it's just, it's just like him. It's his twin brother. You know, it's not him. It can't be him. We know that he was blind. There's, there's no way that this could be him. Verse 10, therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? And the answer said, a man that is called Jesus, that's all he knows. He doesn't know what Jesus looks like. He has no idea who Jesus is. He made the clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And, when I, and I went and washed and I, and I received my sight. I received sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. Let's look here at um, verse number 13. Oftentimes, when you first get saved, your faith is put on trial. It's, it's given a test. Satan will try to do whatever he can to destroy your faith. Because he knows that if, if, if time is given and you're allowed to learn more about God and more about Scripture, that he will lose his power to have control of your life. And so he tries his best to destroy you. So, verse number 13, the neighbors... I think out of good intent, maybe, uh, they brought 
the man to the Pharisees. Him that was aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And they say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. For the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. Uh, sorry, I didn't want to get that too. We'll look at that verse here in a second. So, um, so his neighbors bring him to the Pharisees. And the very first thing the Pharisees took note of is that it was the Sabbath day. And they inquired how this man was supposedly healed. And when, they, when the, the man told them how he, how he healed them by putting the clay upon his eyes, uh, several of them declared that Jesus was not from God for his disobedience to their added Jewish laws. <clears throat> See, the Pharisees like to add things to the, the Old Testament law. And Jesus intentionally broke their law to show that, you know what, he's, he is more of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was made for man, not for God. And so here, the Pharisees didn't like that Jesus broke one of their, Jew, their added laws to the Old Testament. Um, and others said, but if he was a sinner, how could he do such a miracle? There's no way this guy could have, this, this man Jesus could have healed uh, this man who was born blind if he was a sinner. There's no possible way. God doesn't listen to sinners. The man who was blind did not truly know who Jesus really was. I'm sure he probably, throughout uh, the, the talking outside the temple, he may have heard about the name of Jesus and, and maybe heard some things, but he really had no idea who he was. But the fact that he had been able to heal him completely without any offer of money, so he thought he could only be a prophet which hadn't been seen or heard of for 400 years until John the Baptist came on the scene. For 400 years, there was silence. There, was no more, there were no prophets. There was no miracles happening until John the Baptist came on the scene. But John the Baptist did no miracles. He did no miracles. And so, nothing like this has been ever seen for the last 400 plus years. And so they, immediately the first thing that the, he, the, this young man thinks is, he's got to be a prophet. Surely something like this can't be done if he was not a prophet. But let's look at his parents' fear. The verse number 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight. Until they called the parents of him that had, received, that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them, and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. 
So since these parents did, uh, or since the Pharisees didn't believe that he was born blind, they sent for his parents. His parents confirmed the truth that their son had been born, had been blind since his birth. But his parents were terrified of the Pharisees, and they gave them as minimal information as possible, because they feared that they would be put out of church if they spoke anything about Jesus being the Messiah. Sadly, most religions today still bully and cause people to fear being cast out of their religion, out of their church. And they use fear tactics in order to control people. And that's what the Pharisees were doing with this, with this situation. His parents were afraid to admit that Jesus was the Messiah because they didn't want to be removed from the synagogue. But look at verse number 24. We're going to see a man who stands by his faith. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know this man is a sinner. And the answer said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. He said, I don't know much about who this Jesus man is. I just know what he did. I know what he did for me. I know what he did in my life. And... When you got saved, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, there shouldn't have been a change in your life. Something happened in your life saying, you know what? He changed me. He did something to me. I may not know all the ins and outs of all the doctrines in the Bible, but I know that there was something special that He did for me. And I know that He is special. He's And, and who He is. See, that's what, this, that's what this blind man says. I don't know who He is, but I know what He has done for me. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? <laughs> then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, hearing is a marvelous thing, that you, you, don't, you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes? Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of the one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they asked and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Again, the man only knows one thing about the whole situation, what Jesus had done for him. This man is so excited about what God has done for him that he wants to tell people what happened to him. I mean, he, he's telling his testimony, isn't he? He said, I was born blind. That's all I knew. That was my life. I was born blind. But then Jesus came. And he changed it completely. When the Pharisees asked him to, again to tell how it happened, he was more than happy to comply. And thought that they wanted to be followers of Jesus as well. You know, they wanted to be a disciple. So how often do we tell others about what Jesus did for us? When he forgave us of our sin? I mean, you see a lot of zeal here in this young man, don't you? Because God did an amazing thing in his life. He changed his life completely. 
And He has changed our life as well. And that should give us a desire. Say, you know what? The, the, what God has done for us, He can do for other people. I mean, I don't know about, if you, if you remember the days where you, you had no hope. You, you had no joy. You had no peace. You're looking for peace in all those things in different places and, and you're coming back empty. We had sorrow and depression and things that just, you know what? Life had no meaning. But then when Jesus came, when you trust Him as your Savior, your life changed. Now you have a, uh, you have a, a purpose for your life. Now He has given you a joy, a peace, and hope. And that should be something that we should be able to tell others and tell them, you know what, this is what God has done for me. This is what He has done in my life. And He can do the same for you. He can help you. He can deliver you. He can give you strength. And He can give you forgiveness. As soon as He had said the word disciple, though, the Pharisees reviled Him for His belief that Jesus was not a sinner. They attacked Him. This man's simple faith that Jesus had to be from God was astounding. Even though, I mean, here, can you imagine, here's a bunch of old men, these are the doctors of the law, and they're looking down at him and saying, this man's a sinner. He's got to be a sinner. These are men are very intimidating. You don't mess with the Pharisees, if you're, especially if you're just a, a regular person. These were the teachers, so to speak, of the synagogue and, and, and of, the, of the law. And here, he didn't care. He didn't care that these men were trying to pressure him and, and make him say that Jesus was a sinner. He, he stood his ground. He stayed by his faith. The Pharisees had enough. They didn't want to hear any more about this man's faith in Jesus. And so they wrote him off and said, you know what? This man, his blindness was caused because he was a sinner, and they cast him out of the synagogue. But it's amazing that as this man is standing by his faith, he makes a statement in verse, uh, verse number 32. He says, Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? He was reminding them and saying, no one's ever been healed that was born blind. Right? Elijah, the great prophet, he never healed anyone like this. Elisha, Isaiah, none of the Old Testament prophets, judges, nobody healed a man that was born blind. This was a first time event. And he was reminding them, saying, this is something miraculous that just happened here. There's no way this man cannot be from God. But the Pharisees want nothing to do with it. I'm glad the story doesn't end there, though. That would be a pretty horrible story, wouldn't it? You know, the man gets cast out of the synagogue and wanders the rest of his life not knowing what to do. But we have a good ending. Look at verse number 35. I want you to see that Jesus goes searching. Verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, 
and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to this world, that they which see or which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore your sin remaineth. When Jesus heard what happened to the man because of his faith, I'm glad that he went and saw him. Jesus didn't just leave him on his own, but he actually went to him. I mean, can you imagine? This young man doesn't know what in the world just happened to him. I mean, it has been a whirlwind day for him. Can you imagine? He woke up that morning, same day as always. He was blind, couldn't see nothing, so he just made his way as his daily habits were, got to his, his seat there, and he just was starting to beg. And all of a sudden, this man Jesus comes and completely turns his life upside down. He now can see, and I mean, you can see his excitement, and then now he is being thrown out of the synagogue. Can you imagine? He's trying to think, what did I just do? What did I do? Can you imagine if, if Jesus would never have met up with him again? He would have been so discouraged, thinking, what happened? And yet, Jesus went and he saw him. Straightway, the first thing that Jesus asked him is that, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe on the Son of God? And this man, he, went, he was quite honest. He said, I don't even know who he is. Who is he? And Jesus told him plainly who he, who he is. And immediately the man believed that it was true. And he bowed down and worshipped Jesus. He didn't come up there and say, uh, well, let me, let me go check Isaiah here. Um, yep, yep, he did this. No. He knew and he realized what God did in his life. He knew that he would be from God. And he realized, you know what? I do believe. I believe. And he, the first thing he does is he bows down on his knees his hands and knees, and he worships Jesus right then and there. If Jesus was not the Son of God, if he was not God, he would have said, don't worship me. I'm a man who just like you are. That's what Peter said when Cornelius tried to worship him. He said, no, I'm a man just like you. Jesus didn't say that. He accepted the worship because he deserved it. The blind man not only received his freedom from physical darkness, but he also received freedom from the spiritual darkness of sin and its power. He trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior that day and believed in him completely. You see, we see here that God's grace was beyond just the physical, but to his soul as well. And for the sake of the Pharisees around him, he explained the truths in verses 39 and 41 for their sakes. Because, I mean, these Pharisees, isn't it amazing that everywhere that Jesus went, there was Pharisees that followed him like, like a dog? I mean, they were always there waiting just to pick up on something. And here, they were around and as soon as, you know, as they see that, you know, this man worshiping and bowing down before Jesus, 
He makes sure that they understand why this man is bowing down to them. And he explains that in verse 39 through 41. See, because they think they knew God. They already had a preconceived notion, this is only how things can happen. It can't happen any other way. It's only what we think is possible. And because of that, Jesus said they're blind. They wouldn't accept any truth. I mean, the Old Testament pointed out several prophecies, several times, the things that Jesus was doing, and they said, you know what? No, I'm not believing it. Can't, nope. I mean, even the young man. This has never happened before. Don't care. We're not listening. They made themselves blind, didn't they? But now he's saying those who, who were not blind, that they really desired to know God and for God to do something in their life, said now they're the ones who see. The ones that, that, that have a desire to know who God is, those are the ones who can give sight to. You see, there's different reactions when God shows grace in our life. Some react in amazement and happiness, while others are ungrateful and careless. See, God allows things to happen in our life for a purpose. Our heart, though, can become so hard and callous towards God that the only way it can be softened is through tragedy and heartache. And for God to put us in a position where we need to realize our own mortality and need for Him. Especially for those who aren't saved. I mean, when you reject God over and over in the hardness of your heart, sometimes it takes almost a miracle. I mean, it takes absolute tragedy to get a hold of your heart. You see, God is trying to reach out to all of us. But anything that we go through here is not even going to scratch the surface of what the torment and suffering that people who don't have Christ will endure in hell. I mean, we think that we have it rough sometimes. And I can almost guarantee you, I can, I can say, there's people who are rough on you. There are people who are having a harder time. But sometimes we kind of, we get so self-focused and self-centered where we think, you know, what was me, pity me, I'm going through a hard time. So is the person next to you. It's just maybe we can't see what their problems are. We all have issues that we go through. We all, we all have battles and, and things that, that, that life throws our way and that's why we need to encourage one another. That's why we need to exhort one another. Especially as the Bible says, as we see the day approaching. That's why we have church. That's why we should, we should contact each other more than just to see each other more on Sunday. We should contact each other throughout the week. Just saying, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing this week? How are you doing today? It could be the life or, life or death situation that that person is facing with their faith. They could be so discouraged and saying, you know what, I'm about ready. I just don't understand. God, I'm just about ready to give up. And you get that phone call saying, hey, brother, how are you doing? What you going through? You see, that's why we're needed as a church. That's why God uses you to be a help and encouragement to one another. When, when, someone, when God puts somebody on your heart or puts somebody on your mind, He's doing it for a reason. He's doing it for a reason. Because He wants you to come to 
Even if she's saying, hey, how are you doing? Just, I was just thinking about you. Everything going on right now. You have no idea. You have no idea what kind of difference in a, in a, that you can make on somebody. You see, this man was not only blind physically, but also spiritually. I mean, he believed God and, and God just like any good Jew. But he had no real hope in his life until Jesus passed by. Jesus healed him completely, both physically and spiritually, and that man was made whole that day. And sometimes God does allow trials in our life and suffering to take place. Why? I don't know. I don't know why he allows some things to happen. Only he does. But that's when we just have to say, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you anymore. And he gets us through the storms. So Christian, this evening, maybe today, no matter the trial that you're going through, go before the Lord and pray and accept what He is allowing you to go through today. Lean upon Him because He will give you the strength that you need. He knows what you're going through. And He's there. He's just waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to make the effort to draw nigh to Him. Because He says that He will draw nigh to you. So tonight, I just want to be encouragement to you. Lord, no matter the storm, this man that was born blind, he had no idea why God allowed him to be in darkness for, say, 30 years. He had no idea. But yet, he was thankful the day that he received the sight, wasn't he? Instead of focusing on the bad things in our lives, let's start focusing on the good. And thanking God. Praising him. Saying, Lord, I don't know why you're allowing me this, this trial to go in my life. But I'm thankful that you gave me a good wife. Gave me a good husband. Gave me good parents. Gave me someone who cares about me. Gave me a good pastor. I mean, how often do we call a pastor and just say, Pastor, thank you. You know? Thank you for just being there. Because it's a sacrifice. Because he loves you guys. But sometimes he just, it's just good to always just to thank you when we're in your life. Let's go ahead and go to the room.